My name is Curtis Merriweather Jr. You are listening to the Business Profit Podcast. Are you an aspiring, new, or seasoned business professional? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is unlike other podcasts because we seek to create a synergistic relationship between business and theology. The insights shared on this podcast will stir your faith and give you the push needed to realize new dimensions as either a current or emerging business leader. Like many of you, I'm called to the marketplace. The boardroom is my pulpit. Therefore, I invite you to travel along this learning odyssey with me. So buckle up. Let's go. Hey, good people. What's going on? Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to the Business Profit Podcast. Well, I'm glad you guys are here today. You know, as I was preparing for today's conversation, um, you know, I just wanted to really speak to my brothers today. Now, this conversation is for anybody, but being a man, you know, I have went through my own share of personal adversity. and It ain't fun. <laughs> so hopefully today, this conversation, will, if you're down, if you're out, you feel like the world and society has forgot about you. I'm hoping this conversation is going to help you get up and get back in the fight. You know, for those who have been or new to the podcast, you know, I'm called to you. I'm called to the son. I'm called to the husband, the dad, the single dad, the widower, the broken, the betrayed, the educated, the God-loving. You love God, but you say, hey, I ain't perfect. I'm called to that multi-millionaire entrepreneur. And if you ain't there yet, I was called to that corporate executive too. I, I was that former federal civil servant. I'm called to the rejected and the thought leaders. So wherever you are in life, I promise you, I have probably been where you have where you are either right now or where you're headed. And you know, sometimes when you are leaders, my leaders, sometimes we feel forgotten. We feel like, man, who takes care of the shepherd when he bleeds? This is a question I've asked myself oftentimes. When we fall, who take care of who takes care of us? Because it seems like real leaders are always caring for other people, always helping them, always encouraging them. So when we go through, who do we go to? Who takes care of the shepherd when he bleeds? This is a question I probably ask myself a hundred times. You know, sometimes people just forget about the strong. But even the strong people go through sometimes. So today, I hope to give you a few action steps that if you found yourself in a precarious spot, an unfortunate spot, you say, how did I get here? I hope I give you a little bit of insight and information about when I find myself there, these are the things I do. You know, I came up with 10 steps that I have personally used and reused over and over again because, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a spot and we say, man, how did I get here? God, how did I find myself here? I believe you love me. How did my spouse pass away and I find myself a single dad? Lord, I believe you love me. How did I find myself 
on the on the in the crosshairs of my employer. God, I believe you love me. I gave all my tithes and my offerings. I did all the stuff in church they told me to do. How did I end up here? Am I speaking to you? I've been there, y'all. I have been there. So today, more than helping you relish in your pain, I want to give you some things to think about. When you find yourself in a spot and you like, God, I did all the stuff they told me to do in church. I came to church, you know, twice, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday. I was in Bible study. So, God, what's really going on? This was not supposed to happen to me. This is what I said in 2014. Spouse had passed away. Um, and I'm saying to myself, Lord, I'm looking at all of the tithes and offerings I gave. Lord, I'm a good person. Lord, I was serving you in church. I was doing this and doing that. I served on the security team. I was the pastor's personal assistant. Lord, I did this. Lord, I did that. Lord, how did this happen to me? When I did everything they told me to do, how I find myself here? Y'all, I can tell y'all some stories. But before we even jump into what I want to talk about, which is because I want you to get up and I want you to get back in the fight. But I can tell you, I can definitely relate to what it feels like when life feels like it's passing you by. Now that song comes to mind, they keep on passing me by. <laughs> you know, I grew up in the hip-hop era, y'all. So uh, I love the Lord, but I like some good music. Um, but this is what I want to tell you. You know, when you find yourself in spots, you really find out what's important. Now, the things I'm going to list are not designed to make you feel any kind of way. That's not the intention. But I want you, what I want you to do is I want you to put them in their proper context. And I think far too often we place value in things we shouldn't place value in, A, or B, we place these things, these priorities in the wrong spot. So what I'm hoping today is provide some insight on at least how you should be thinking about it. So let's, let's, let's talk about achievements. In the grand scheme of things, you know, when we make certain achievements in life, people may give us accolades and um, they may give us awards and prizes or kind gestures or they may give us tokens to remember things we've done. In the grand scheme, guys, it don't mean a whole lot. Because when life hits you, those achievements can't get you out. Money. And look, especially in my community, in my community, as an African-American man, we have made money supreme. And the scriptures are very clear that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. God knows I want you to get to the bag. I don't want you in first struggle ministries. That is not cool at all. And then recognition. This kind of goes into achievements, but, you know, some of us, need to be affirmed and confirmed continuously or we start feeling like people don't love us. Work, oh my God, many of us, and I have been guilty of this in times past, 
have been married to our work. And then, of course, you know the cliche, work hard, and I'm going to play hard. So some of us are TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Can't wait till the weekend to turn up. And look, I ain't telling you nothing wrong with none of that. But what I am saying is we have to put these things in their proper sequence. And they can never rise in their importance above how God views us and our situations. You just can't. This is a stuff. This is a, this is a sore spot. Our children. God knows I love my kids. I believe we all have a fiduciary responsibility to raise children that a me have a relationship with God, b are productive citizens in the world, and c can become self um, dependent and not have to rely on the on their daddy's checkbook. So we should all be doing that. But I think we place some of these things out of context. We do relationships. So whether you're, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're seriously dating, we have to make sure that we place our relationships in the, in the proper context. So I opened up a can of worms. So let me elaborate. The first priority in our life should be a God should be, we should have a relationship. And I do not want you to think that just going to church, just going to Bible study, just listening to your pastor creates relationship. Now, those are things we should all be doing if we call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, whatever term you want to use. So if we proclaim to be Christian individuals, God should be the center of our universe. Point, point blank, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. God should be number one. And so, you know, reading your Bible, making daily uh, confessions or affirmations of faith, nothing wrong with it. Definitely the Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves or some have, so I do believe there's value in going to church. Now, I do know that we're in the midst of COVID, and so some of those protocols have changed, social distances and other things may have changed how, how often your church convenes or when they convene. So that's going to be a one-size-fits. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all for everyone, but you need to make sure you're around other folks who have a similar faith and belief system as you. And I recognize there's a bunch of different denominations, and I'm not getting into any of that, but, you know, the Bible tells us to make sure that we come together as believers. And the Bible says there's value in that because it tells us not to forsake the something of ourselves. Number two, if you are married, your spouse should come next. Now I know I got folks who are married, some folks who are not married, some folks who are seriously dating, but I'm talking about to my married folks right now. If you are married, the next person in your life should be your spouse. After your spouse comes your children. They're number three. Okay. God, spouse, family, your children, those people who depend on you, those people who live in your home. That's number four, work. The Bible says if a man don't work, he don't eat. And I'm newsflash, number five, church. Number five, after work. Because one of the things that the Bible tells us to do is bring our tithes and offerings to the storehouse now. I'm not that dude who talks about giving all the time. I'm not him at all. Matter of fact, I'm going to leave that alone. 
but we should pay honor to places of charity. We should do that. We should. If something has been valuable to you, it might not be your church. It might be a nonprofit. I don't mess with people with their money. I know how people are with their money. I know how I am with my money. But you should be able to be able to sow into, give to causes that are worthwhile to you. Me personally, I do believe in tithes and offerings. And there's some other things that my family does philanthropically. And I'm going to just leave it at that. So, just to talk about order just briefly. So, God, your spouse, if you're married, number two, number three, excuse me, your children, work, and then your church. And some of us have gotten this out of order, which may have created some challenges in our lives by themselves. But that's a conversation for a whole different day. But we here to talk about today is I've fallen and Kurt wants you to get back up. I want you to get back up because you got this. You got this, man. You got this, woman. You got this. So before we even jump into this, I need you to know that before you were in the womb, the Bible says that God knew you and he set you apart. That's in Jeremiah 1 and 5. And God also says that I know the plans I have for you. They're the plans to give you purpose. They're plans to prosper you and not harm to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29 11. So God is concerned about what you are concerned about. And then I need you to thoroughly understand that you are the handiwork of God. And, and, that, and that God has already planned and pre-orchestrated your destiny. Now you have to come into you have to come into commitment with that. You have to uh, decide to cooperate and collaborate with heaven. God gave you a free will. So although he can have a plan for you, it is important for us to find the purpose and the reason why God made us. So Mark Twain says, you know, the two most important days are the day that you were born and the day that you figured out why. The day you were born and the day you figured out why. And I think far too many of us spend so much time and we use this term purpose, which I don't have a problem with it. I understand what people are meaning. But before you figure out your purpose, figure out why God made you. When you figure out why God made you, you'll find out your purpose. A lot of how God made you shows up in your strength characteristics that you have. Say you're a networker. Say you're a people person. A lot of time that's mapped to who God made you to be. And when you figure out who God made you to be, then you can derive purpose. But I think we try to find purpose and not understand the purpose of a thing. So it's like when I find out why I was made, it is very easier for me to ascertain my purpose. But I think we do this thing out of order, out of sequence. I'm trying to find my purpose, but I don't even understand what the manufacturer had in mind when he created me. If I want to understand about a Nissan, I need to go to the Nissan manufacturer. It's great to read the book. But the book should, should reveal purpose. I should understand why I was made. When I understand why I'm made, I can better cooperate and collaborate with heaven for his plans and purposes for my life, for my life. Now, my, my Georgia came out, y'all. Y'all. Now, I want you to get back in the fight. So I'm going to give you 10, 10 steps, 10 ideas to think about so that you can get back up and get in the fight. So recognize, number one, when when bad things happen to us, you were displaced from your job, 
someone passed away, your business went through a season. First of all, I need you to recognize something that bad things that happen to you are not always sin. Why is it when bad stuff happens, that's the first thing they want to say, it must be sin in your life. Not true. When I read the story of Jesus in the garden, he had came off a 40 day fast and went nothing bad about that. And the Bible says that God led Jesus up into the mountain to be tempted. He led him up to the mountain to be tempted because he already knew what he was going to do. So why is it that in Christendom, when things catastrophic hit your life, the first pe- first thing that the religious leaders and your family want to tell you is you must be in sin. Not true. Recognize that life happens to us all. And you are not a failure. Listen to me, man. Listen to me, woman. You are not a failure because of the hardship. You're not. You are one of three places in life. You either a left the storm, you in a storm, or you heading towards the storm. The scriptures are clear. Trials and tribulations come to us all. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And it's where we're going to have trials and tribulations, y'all. So number one, recognize that life happens to us all. So recognizing no problem that you're you're being that you're in that no one else has, has gone through it. Someone else, you know, I remember I remember when I lost my spouse and I had a man, a man in my life who I greatly appreciate and who who encouraged my spirit in probably one of the most difficult seasons in my life when my when my late spouse transitioned in 2014. And I mean, and you know, I am remarried successfully, happily. I love my I love my new bride. But Reflecting back in 2014, that man told me, he said, hey, young boy, young man, he was a friend of the family. I had known this, I had known this man since I was a kid, and I remember when his spouse passed away. And so when I went back to Augusta, because um, I wasn't living in Augusta, I'm from Augusta, Georgia. I went back to Augusta, and I went to church that Sunday. My father's a pastor, and I didn't have words. I was so tired of people telling me, I'm so sorry for your loss. I didn't want to hear that not one more time. So mental note, if you have someone and they pass away, you know someone and they're someone close to them passes away, do not tell them, I'm sorry for your loss. What you can say to them is, bro, I'm praying for you. Sis, I'm praying for you. And stop trying to make people tell people I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. I lost my my spouse. Your spouse is still living. You do not know what I'm going through. So be authentic. And I and I get it. Sometimes people just don't know what to say. But, you know, like the old people say, if you don't know what to say, just don't say nothing at all. But people come and tell you, I'm sorry for your loss. Man, I was so tired of hearing, I'm sorry for your loss. Don't tell me that no more. I don't want to hear that no more. Because you that that ain't helping me. So when people have loss in their life, you heard it from me. Say, bro, I'm praying for you. It's, if you want to talk, I'm here to listen. And understand that he may not reach out to you, but that goes a long way. But don't be, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your condolences. Don't do that. Don't do that. I've been there. Don't do that. So um, this brother reached out to me and he said, he, he looked me square in my eyes. He said, I got to tell you something. 
It's going to hurt, but it's the truth. And I said, okay. He was the only one qualified at that time to talk to me like this because I knew what he had went through. Me and his son grew up and were close in age. And he said, son, somebody lost their spouse the day before you. Somebody going to lose their spouse the day after you. It's life. I need you to, I need you, I need you to, I need you to figure out how to move forward. But you're not alone. Somebody else lost their spouse yesterday. Somebody lost their spouse today. This is life, bro. Did your wife have a relationship with Christ? I said, yes, sir. He said, you're going to see her again. He said, now I'm not telling you every day going to be peaches and uh, rainbows. So I'm not going to tell you that. That would not be true. He said, but I will promise you this. If you get up one day, get up. Keep getting up, and it's going to keep getting easier. He said, young man, keep getting up, and it's going to keep getting easier. He said, some days you're going to have some rough days. Some days you're going to cry. Some days you're going to be sad. He says, but go to bed and get back up. He said, as you go to bed and get back up, I promise you, it's going to get easier. And he said, he told me something. He says, he says, my wife had been passed, forget how many years it was. He says, it's still not moments where I don't think about her. He says, he says, matter of fact, I think about her every day. And he said, and that's okay. So what I'm telling you, man of God, woman of God, what I'm telling you, get back up. What happened to you happened to somebody the day before you. Happen, happen to someone else the day it happened to you, and it's going to happen to another person the day after you. What I'm telling you, just like that man told me, get back up. You are not a failure because of your hardship. I did everything I could at that time to prevent what happened to me from happening to me, which ultimately cost the life of my spouse. And I'm sure you were in a similar situation. Get back up. Number two, I kind of touched on this before. All adversity is not a result of sin, y'all. In the church, we got to stop this. The moment that you see somebody's stuff going left or going sideways, we immediately say, sin in your life. So let me say this. All adversity is not a result of sin. Now, some things that come upon us, are they a result of sin? Some of it is. But stop thinking that everything you did is a result of sin. We have the grace of God. And, uh, and let's just say that sin is the result of what you're going through. How many other things did God spare you from? So, and whatever, whatever, whatever you're going through right now is not as bad as what it could be. But all adversity is not a result of sin. Some stuff is just life. I told y'all earlier, trials and tribulations come to us all, but the Bible says, well, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Some things we find ourselves in adversity just because we made a mistake. And now we just got to navigate ourselves through the mistake. But this is the one I want to get to. The adversity you may be in is because God is shifting you. Because I need you to understand something. Promotion comes through adversity. Y'all ain't, ain't praying with me. Promotion comes through adversity. 
Every major shifting in my life came as a result of one, two, one or two things. A, new relationships, or B, adversity. The fact of the matter is, I learned all of my major lessons in life in hardship. Betrayal. Learn valuable lessons. I learned who was really with me. And in betrayal, because people people betray you when, when sometimes you're down. Not always. Um, they feel like they don't need you, then they betray you. I learned how to start being a better judge in the quality of my relationships. And see, when you go through adversity, that's a great time to pay attention. Figure out who really with you when you go through. Everybody with you when you on top. When the business is doing 10 million, 30 million, 100 million a year, everybody's singing your name. The phone keeps ringing. Let your business go through a time and let people think you ain't going to bounce back and see who calling you. See who checking on you. See who inviting you to dinner. See. When you go through adversity, figure out who really in your corner. That's the time when you pay attention. Because when you get back on top, everybody is there. But what you needed to do in that adverse moment is figure out who really got your back. Who really in your corner. It don't take no effort to be in your corner everything going well for you. When you, when you hopping on the jet, everybody want to be your friend. When you own... Um, when you in Harvard Business Review, everybody want to rock with you. But what happens when they count you out? When it looks like life is throwing you that death blow, I don't think he's going to bounce back from this one. I don't think she's going to bounce back from this one. Who ringing your line then? Who ringing your line? Who ringing your line? Who's saying all those nice things about you when you down? The people who are, mark them. They might be worth staying on for because you're going to come up out of this and that might be a person you need to keep close to you because you saw, see, adversity reveals not only your heart but the, but the heart of those around you. So stop running from adversity is what I'm telling you. Is it fun? No. But it's very revelatory in adversity. Third thing, so number one, recognize life happens to us all. Number two, recognize that sin all adversity is not the result of sin. Number three, quiet the voices around you. Quiet the voices around you. So, Kurt, what, what, what voices you talking about, bro? Your children. Say you got grown children. They may be saying, you know, Mom, I don't know. This, this looks bad. Friends. Some of your friends just are not optimistic. Some of them were secretly plotting your downfall anyway. Here go another one. Parents. Some t Let me talk about the parents. They love us, y'all. But sometimes our parents can, sell, can sow seeds of disbelief like nobody's business. Because your parents don't want you to go through that heartache. They love you so much. And in loving you, sometimes they give you bad advice. Significant others. Lord Jesus. And then your own personal insecurities. These are the voices I need you to quiet around you. Your children, your friends, your parents, your significant others, and then yourself, your, your own personal insecurities. So you think you ain't have none. Go through some adversity 
and all of those those voices that you don't normally hear now start talking to you. You got to quiet them. And let's not forget the number one voice. I'm talking to believers. You got some folks who don't even believe there's a devil or an enemy, but you got to quiet the voice of the enemy. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. You definitely got to quiet him. He always making accusations, and his voice gets real loud in the midst of adversity. So I need you to quiet the voices. And there's only one voice that you need to be listening to in this time, and that's number four, the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to provide you a plan of action. Oh, my God. The, the job of the Holy Spirit is to comfort us, to teach us, to show us things to come. And in these moments, we got to lean into him. We got to invite him into our situation, into our circumstance, because he's a gentleman. He's not just going to come in unless you ask him to. So you say, well, Kurt, I don't know how to do that. Well, when you find yourself in hardship, you say, Lord, I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to show me. I need you to reveal the things that I, what I, that I don't know. Show me what's coming around the bend. Lord, speak to me in specific detail, not in vague impression. Show me your plan. Show me me in this situation and show me the way of escape. Holy Spirit, I'm leaning on you. I need your help. I invite you into this mess that I'm in. You know, when people pray, they want to go in with the thou shouts and wilts and no, just have conversation. Holy Spirit, I need you to help, man. Holy Spirit, I believe you're here. Your word says that you'll teach me, you'll show me, you'll guide me, you'll show me things to come. I need that in my life right now. I'm in a situation I can't even get myself out of if I wanted to. Maybe I know how I got here, maybe I don't. But Holy Spirit, I need you to illuminate the way. Because, you know, I know that your plan, the plan of God is to, to bless me and not hurt me. But right now, this hurts. So I need your help. And, and Father, also help me understand what I did, because you might not know, what I did to get here so I can prevent a repeat of this happening. And God's going to do that. Regardless of how you got there, whether it was sin, whether it was life, whether it was a mistake, or whether God's promoting you, God's going to tell you how to navigate that season you found yourself in. Because, again, all adversity is not the result of sin. Um, it's not some of it's life, some of it is self-inflicted wounds, mistakes we've made, but some of it, some of y'all listening to me, you where you are because God's trying to promote you and promotion comes through adversity. See, adversity gives you the, the foundation. It builds the bones so that you can handle this next level that you're going to see for those who may have actually physically seen me. I'm a big guy. You know, I bench about 420 pounds. I squat. I don't know what I squat anymore because I don't traditionally squat. But I probably got a 500, 600 pound squat. I can deadlift 600. I'm a big guy. Now, I have not been in the gym as a result of COVID. But one of the things they say about weightlifting is it causes the bones to increase in density. So the load that I can endure if you haven't had the time in the, in the gym that I've had, you may not be able to endure. So think of adversity as your weight room. It builds the muscles and the bones so that you can endure the next level. That's what it does. 
when you go through adversity, you're working out emotionally, mentally in the gym for the next level and spiritually in the gym for the next level, for the next promotion. You know, you go to a new level, there are new things that are required of you. And one of the ways that we get to that, to be able to handle that next level is the level of adversity. If I see the level of your adversity, I can almost determine the level of your promotion. I'm just saying. Because adversity prepares you for new levels. You know, in the old church, I used to say, new levels, new devils. I really don't like that saying, but I get what they were saying. If I'm going to go to a new dimension, it's going to be more required of me. So, quick recap. Recognize that life happens to us all. Number two, all adversity is not a result of sin. Three, quiet the voices around you. Number four, ask the Holy Spirit to provide you a plan of action. Number five, this is another great key. So I've done all of that. Surround yourself with positive people. This is when you need your accountability partners. The individuals that believe in you. Optimistic people. This is not time to have a pity party. Because this is warfare that you're in. A war for your spirit. A war for your life. A war for your destiny. So surround yourself with positive people that can help pull you up and help you stay up at the next level. So this is when you surround yourself with, with those folks who may not tell you the things that feels nice, but they're going to say what's good for you. It might not feel good to you, but it's good for you. Just like medicine. You know, when I was growing up, it's like every time we would uh, have a, you know, something happen, go take some Benadryl. Benadryl didn't taste good, but Benadryl was what I needed to get through whatever challenge I was trying to fight off physically. Whether, you know, I had a little bug trying to attack my body, go get some Benadryl and lay down. <laughs> the old people was get Benadryl and lay down because sleep and rest does a lot for the body. And so does medicine. So if I put, so if I put your body in a situation where it can, it can do what God ordained it to do and I give it some help in the form of medicine, you're going to be all right. So surround yourself with good people. This is, this is you taking the Benadryl and laying down. Surround yourself with positive people, accountability partners who going to speak to your spirit, who going to pull you and yank you where you need to be so you can get what God rightfully called and ordained for you to be once you come out of this season that you're in. Number six, get your faith on the field. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You're going to have to see the end even though you, 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 you don't see the end. You got to see what you don't see in this season. Because if not, those voices that I talked about earlier are going to try to are gonna magnify the situation more than God. God needs to be magnified in this. Because sometimes some of the stuff we find ourselves in, he's the only one that can get us through. So positive affirmations. Based on the scriptures, this is I'm not one of those uh, transcendental meditation people. Meditation needs to be based on the scriptures. You need to get the perspective of what God says about you and your situation and meditate, believe, ponder that. 
Meditation means to to mutter to oneself, to speak quietly over and over again. Means to muse. Means to ponder that thing in, in your mind. Roll it around and pull all the nutrients out of that scripture. Find you one scripture that says you win. Find you one. And then third, meditation. Another thing for another word for it is imagination. So getting a picture of that thing on the canvas of your imagination, what I see I can have, what I see I can possess. So see yourself winning in the midst of the chaos and the turmoil that may be in your life. The Bible says that death and life is in the power of the chunk. So I'm telling you, choose life. Your words have power. And the New Testament talks about how our, our tongue is like the rudder of a ship, turning the ship navigating the course so when that that tongue like a rudder turns and think about a ship even though it's turned it takes time for the ship to catch up with the movement of the rudder so is your tongue so what you say has power in the atmosphere although you may not have seen anything happen yet i need you to understand that your tongue's like the rudder just like the rudder turn that ship your tongue will navigate and change the direction and course of your life i'm just saying y'all I'm just saying, get your faith on the field. Faith is nothing more than my heart and my mouth coming into agreement. What I believe in my heart and what I say with my mouth, when they come into, when they come into uh, contact with one another, faith's release. And faith can be positive or negative. Worry is nothing but faith in reverse. All night, you're thinking about that light bill that you didn't have the money to pay for. Oh, my God. I don't pay this light, but they're going to cut off my lights. That's nothing but faith in reverse. So just like you spent your time occupying your mind with what you didn't have to take care of this need, I need you occupying your mind with what God is saying about your situation, which has the ability to change your situation when God comes on the scene. I'm just, just saying, y'all. I've been where you are. May not be the same exact situation, but your boy done been through some stuff. I'm qualified to walk in the level of grace that I walk in because of the things that I've overcome in my own personal life. This is not about me. Number seven, tame your mind. The mind is the battleground. Victory is won or lost in the mind. If I can get a man to not give up in his mind, he can win. You know, I'm reminded of the story that I read in, you know, I think it was a colonial area or pre-colonial area era when, when soldiers, captains, generals would take their soldiers to a new land to conquer. One of the things they would do is burn the boats. And you said, Kurt, why would they burn the boats? Because they wanted to remove the temptation of retreat from the mind of the soldiers. It's going to be survival of the fittest. We're going to fight to the death. There is no alternative path. There is no plan B. We're going to move forward or we're going to die trying. Your boy 50 wrote a, wrote, a, wrote a song. He said, get rich or die trying. This is what you do. There is no plan B. You got to tame your mind. And one of the ways the generals tamed the mind of their soldiers, there was no plan B. They got rid of the boats. There was no way out. You either, you're going to fight to the death. Either we going to take them or they going to take us, but there is no way out. And you got to, in your mind, you got to tame your mind. 
You got to get rid of the distractions. You got to let your, you got to let you, the host of heaven and everybody around, you know, I'm coming through this. I'm getting through this. Now, I'm not going to take it that the negative and contrary thoughts are not going to come, but we're supposed to cast those down. How do you cast it down? I take that thought and I replace it with another thought. Uh, you know, Kurt, you ain't going to make it. I will make it because greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. Oh, Kurt, your money funny. God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Oh, Kurt, um, you know, you're going to die in a car accident. The angels of God are encamped around about me to guard, protect me, and keep me safe from hurt, harm, or dangers. Come on, y'all. We got to tame our mind. I'm not going to tell you that the thoughts are not going to come because they are. But what thought are you going to replace and say, nope, I refuse that thought and I accept this one? Is that what you, that's what you must do. You do not have an option. Number eight, work on you. So what we're talking about is how you get back up because you got this, but I need you to get up and I need you to realize you got this because the man who says he can and the man who says they can't, they're both right because you can have what you say. Work on you. So in these times of adversity, these are the times that, hey, I've been thinking about exercising and getting my body in shape. Do it. I've been thinking about going back and getting that other degree. Do it. I've been thinking about a lifestyle change. I want to pick this up and, and get rid of that. Do it. This is the time where, um, you know what, I always want to jump out the airplane and go skydiving. Do it. This is those times of adversity where you work on you. Work on you. I've been wanting to learn how to be a, a scuba diver. Go get Patty certified. These are the times of adversity where you work on you. Better you. Give yourself new experiences. Create new memories. Work on you. Number nine, play the waiting game, y'all. You got to learn how to play the waiting game. I need you to understand that trials do not last always. But when you end the trial, it feel like, it feel like tomorrow ain't never coming. That's my Georgia. Tomorrow ain't never coming. It's what you feel like when you're in the weight game. Trials don't last always, y'all. Meditate on your victory. See the finished work. See the finished work. And then last, but definitely not least, remind yourself that your victory is in him. It's in Christ. God wants you to win. Matter of fact, he rooting, he rooting for you. Matter of fact, he's already preordained your victory. These are the 10 things I want you guys to do when you find yourself in adversity. And you will rise again. Man, you will launch that business to new dimensions. Young lady, you will raise productive children, even though they may be acting up. That goal that seems so out of reach, you will accomplish it, even though you may have, you may have fallen a couple of times. The righteous man who falls seven times knows he can get back up. Get back up. You got this. Get back up. You got this. Know that Uncle Kurt says, you got this. I may be the only voice right now telling you you can keep making it. I'm telling you, brother, get up. Keep moving. Sis, I might be the only one in your life right now who's telling you that they believe in you. 
I believe in you. Get back up. Keep going. I know how quiet it can get when you go through challenges, but I'm here to encourage you to keep moving forward, to keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I'm telling you, keep moving. That, 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 that ministry that you're trying to birth, that God is nudging you to, you got to move forward. Pro always follows the vision. I need you to understand anytime you do something in life and God is involved, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't have the resources because God wants to get the credit. He don't want you to talk about your self-made. You'll never hear me say I'm self-made. I'm really not that smart, y'all. Do I have a few degrees? I do. But that everything that I've done, everything I've built has been through the help of God and the Holy Spirit. God has created the right connections, the right relationships for me to get and accomplish the things that we've accomplished thus far. But we're just getting started. We ain't even making no real noise yet. Now, yeah, was I in Harvard Business Review? Yes. Did I get an invitation to the White House? Yes, I did. Have I made millions of dollars and continue to? Yes. But we're just getting started. We're just getting started, y'all. I'm going to the grave empty. Every bit of potential got placed on the inside of me. I plan to deposit into the earth. I plan to leave multi-generational wealth for my kids, kids, kids. And so when you realize how much a million dollars really, really isn't, you'll get your mind off one million, two million, five million, ten million. There ain't no real money, y'all. There ain't no real money. You can spend a million dollars in a day, a couple hours. I need you to get bigger vision on the inside of you. I need you to start thinking legacy. I need you to start getting creative ideas that will shift an entire generation. I need you to press. But first of all, I need you to get up. And I need you to get bigger vision. See, that bigger vision is going to cause you to tap into your faith. It's going to tap your faith. It calls you to reach for places you ain't never thought were possible. And by yourself, they're not. But with him, who is him? Jesus Christ. All things are possible. That's why I can't get complacent. I got a bachelor's degree in engineering from the University of South Carolina. I got a master's in business administration from the Citadel. I got another master's of science and project management from the Citadel. And I am one semester away from finishing my coursework at Case Western Reserve University PhD program, finishing my dissertation um, within the next 18 months. I'll be done. I'll be a full-fledged PhD. Just got a note a few days ago about getting an honorary doctorate. But I'm just getting started, y'all. They want to give you, boy, an honorary doctorate. I'm earning a doctorate, and they want to give you, boy, an honorary doctorate, y'all. God is faithful. This is the same boy who in third grade, they, his 
his teacher told his parents, actually I was in second grade, that I couldn't read well. I wasn't a good student. I had reading comprehension challenges. This is the same boy they want to give an honorary doctorate to. Same boy, now man, that's 18 months there about away from have earned PhD and will have an honorary doctorate by the end of the year. I'm telling y'all, it's the faithfulness of God. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your family. And don't give up on you. Because anything's possible to him that believes. You know, I'm so thankful to God for every adversity I've went through. Now, was I thankful in that moment? No. I'll be telling you stories. I was wondering when my change was going to come. But when I look back, it was those trials and adversities that, that have prepared and are continuing to prepare me for my finest hour. And God is not a respecter of persons. He's only a respecter of faith. I need you to get up. I need you to get up and get back in the fight. If you don't quit, you'll win. If you don't quit, you'll win. You talk about people like Babe Ruth, you know, one of the home, one of the home run kings. He struck out more times than he hit, y'all. Jordan didn't always make all the shots, but he kept he kept taking the shots. You're gonna win if you don't quit. Hey Kurt, this is Kurt, the business prophet. That's my time. Thank you guys for taking time out your busy day to listen. Hopefully I offered you some words of encouragement that you can use to keep fighting. I know there's winner. There's a greatness on the inside of you. And I'm placing the demand on that greatness on the inside of you, man, that greatness on the inside of you, woman, that it has to come forward and manifest what God placed in you before the foundations of the earth. You guys enjoy the rest of your day and have a great weekend. Until next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Profit Podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and leave a comment so others like you can find this podcast too. If you would like to connect with me, please use the links in the show notes to connect with me on all social media platforms. I welcome the opportunity to hear from you. Have a blessed week. Until next time.